I appreciate these uh, young men and young ladies that are students at Commonwealth Baptist College from across America, and I'm thankful for uh, the work of the college and what's going on there. I enjoyed being at the uh, Christmas banquet with my wife last night and all the young people, and I appreciate them. Now open your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 5, and looking at the message, looking at my clock, I I'm going to really work hard to finish in 35 minutes tonight. And so just to let you know, you can keep your shoes on till about 10 after, and then I'll finish uh, right then. Matthew chapter 5, uh, look at verse number 41. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. I'm going to preach tonight on the subject, the second mile. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless in the preaching of your word. Lord, this is often a difficult and misunderstood passage of Scripture, and because it is, it is often misapplied and brings confusion. And then, Lord, sometimes when we find a passage like this, we ignore it because we don't completely understand it. We miss the truth and the instruction thereof. And I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight. Uh, Lord, I understand the work of the folks, and they have uh, worked hard. They've been faithful to serve all day. And I pray, Lord, that our minds would be given on purpose, and we would hunger to know your truth as it's preached. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. This is somewhat of a difficult passage to completely understand. And while we understand the basis or the basics of what he is teaching us, there are parameters, there is a context that must be understood uh, for the passage to be understood. Uh, let me give you this illustration. There are laws that differ in our nation from state to state. Uh, so if you are in one state, some things that are legal in others are illegal in some states and vice versa. So uh, the parameter would be the state, for example. Uh, for a long time, uh, those of us that had a concealed and carry card, I still do, uh, though in Kentucky uh, we have an open carry law, uh, there are states that are called reciprocating states or they respect uh, the same law in the state of Kentucky. For example, that concealed carry law uh, or card for Kentucky uh, is good in several states. It is not in Illinois, or it was not the last time I checked. And so it's according to what the parameter is of what the laws are. Another example of that would be there are uh, uh, marijuana is federally illegal. Uh, now, a part of the hypocrisy and the deception that we live in in these last days, uh, you see uh, one commercial that talks about the danger of smoking and the next uh, commercial uh, just how much we need to legalize marijuana. Uh, now, if you can figure all that out, uh, well, you can't because it is built on a, a basis of deception and lies. Uh, but anyway, it is federally illegal. Some states have legalized marijuana. 
uh, the governor here in Kentucky recently uh, by executive order said he would legalize it to some limit and uh, surpassing, and by the way, it's not the message tonight and it never will be a sermon, so I might as well just go ahead and say it, uh, say it as a part of this one. I get so weary of executive orders in our country. And uh, that's just a side note, a little salt and pepper for this one. And uh, I, I get weary of both Republicans and Democrats uh, making executive orders. Back to the message. Uh, but according to what the parameter is, some things are illegal and some things are legal. Now, I use that as an illustration to say what we're going to learn tonight is given with a set of a, a particular set of parameters or a particular set of guidelines. Now, let me begin by saying it is obvious that there is such a thing as a second-mile Christian, and I want to be a second-mile Christian. In other words, I don't want to get away with the least I can do for Christ so I can get the blessings of God. I don't want to come under the judgment or cursings of God. I want to have his blessings, but I want to do the least I can do. That's not what kind of Christian I want to be. I want to go the second mile. I, I, I want to be a second mile Christian, and I want to be a second mile Christian for the reason that he teaches us to be a second mile Christian. We need to let our light shine and let our light shine bright for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to just be salt. I want to be salt with savor. I want to make a difference in my country. Uh, for example, in the area of love, I want to go the second mile. I don't want to love those that just love me. I want to love those that Christ loved that were unlovable, uh, but now they can love because they received the love of Christ. Somebody has to go the second mile and reach those that not just can come to church, uh, but those that we need to go find and reach through the work of the bus ministry and go love them and oftentimes loving the unlovable. I, I want to go the second mile in this matter of forgiveness. Uh, forgive as Christ forgave. I don't want to just follow the letter of the law. I want to follow the example of Christ. I, I, I want to go the second mile when it comes to the matter of dress standards. I want folks to know I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't, I don't want to fit into the world. I want folks to know I'm a child of God. I, I go to a ball game, I want them to know what team I, I'm on. And I heard of a fellow that went to a, a basketball game a few years ago. Uh, Kentucky was playing Indiana, and it was a close game. They were both ranked high. And first half, Kentucky was ahead. He had on a blue, jack, a blue shirt. And when Indiana went ahead, he took off his blue shirt and he had on a red shirt. And uh, he just pulled for the winner. I want to pull for the winner, and that's God. I want to do what's right to do. I want to go to the second mile. I want to go to the second mile in my place of service, in my commitment, in my attitude. I want to be a second-mile Christian. Now, we understand that part of this passage of Scripture. But when you get into the details, it's a bit confusing, and I pray that I can help us to understand the passage of Scripture so we can understand how to apply it and why we apply it to our lives. First of all, there are two ways presented in this passage of Scripture. Uh, there's the way of the law in verse number 38. Notice what it says. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now that was the law. Uh, that's what was legal. That's what was right. That's the way of the law. Uh, verses 39 through 42 was the way of the Lord. 
Now this first statement I want you to get a hold of. We do not have here a right way and a wrong way. We have a right way and a better way. So make sure you understand that. We have a right way, not a right way and a wrong way. We have a right way and a better way. And so it's important to understand the law's way is right. The Lord's way is better. Let's talk about the law's way for just a few minutes. Chapter 5, verse number 38. Talking about the law. Now, justice is the basic principle of government. We want folks to be treated just and fair. The Jewish law stated, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The Jewish law is based on a righteous principle, not of revenge, but it is of a weighed and a measured justice. It's interesting when you read in uh, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, when you read the law, how detailed the justice and the fairness of the law is given. I'll not go deep into that. No legislative body could repeal such a law without creating anarchy. And the Jewish law was based on a righteous principle, not on revenge, but on a weighed and a measured what justice is, what God said is right and what God said is, what God said is wrong. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew chapter 5, is not a code for government. It is not a code for government. In a world of crime and in a world of conflict, it is not given for people who are godless and in a society of infidels. It would be impossible in such a society to restrain or to deter crime by turning the other cheek. So he's not talking about legislation. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is not a code for government. Some take this to say that you're not supposed to fight for your freedom. Now we know that's not true. That's not what Jesus is teaching here. And there are some say, well, I can't be a part of the military because uh, the Bible says you're just supposed to turn the other cheek. Now you really don't believe that. You do to a certain place. But if we get too close to taking what you have, you will fight back. Now I'm not arguing about that and what those limits are. I'm just telling you what this passage is not. Jesus is not legislating with the Sermon on the Mount. It is not a code for government in a world of crime. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is not legislating for the world of the unregenerate. But listen to me, what he is doing is giving example of what a church or what a Christian can be in this world. Now make sure you stay with me. Are you saying, preacher, then we as Christians are supposed to turn another cheek if somebody smites us on one side? I'll get to that in just a moment. He is giving, not legislation for the world, but he is giving an example for the church and then for his kingdom in the millennial age. Now, we have the law's way. The law says a tooth for a tooth. You take a man's life, you lose your life. 
uh, you cause a man to lose an animal, as the Bible would teach. You either replace that animal or you give what it takes to replace that animal, uh, whatever that may cost you, even uh, to having to give a son or to give a child uh, to pay for that that has been taken. Then we see in verse number 39 to 42, we don't see the law's way, we see the Lord's way. For the people of God, for the Lord's people, the Lord repealed the Old Testament law of retaliation, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth that was taught in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers because the Pharisees had debased the law into a license for outright revenge. They would not only get even, they would get more that was deserving to them. Now please stay with me. The Lord promoted a manner of life with the basis and foundation to be that of love and forgiveness and as a testimony of righteousness in a wicked world. This is what God did when he forgave us of our sin. You understand tonight, you and I didn't get what we deserved. When it came to salvation, God isn't fair. If he was fair, you and I would go to hell. If, if we got what we deserved, we would have died on the cross and that would have been the end. We would have died and gone to hell. But the grace of God said, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. The mercy of God said, I'm not going to give you what you do deserve. Now stay with me. Christ was the ultimate example of that kind of life, of living a life of grace, of mercy, of love, and of forgiveness. Now don't miss this. He is not replacing the law here for the Christian. But he's telling us of an opportunity of how to show a lost world grace and mercy because we're a child of God. There is a blessing of giving that exceeds the blessing of receiving. There is a blessing of being even. There's a greater blessing of giving more than is deserved. That's the Christian life. Oh, I hope you'll stay with me. When we get to the end, you'll be glad you did. Our nation could not exist without law. Uh, he's not saying here, forget verse 38, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He's not saying that. He's saying in this world, I want to show you how to have and take advantage of an opportunity of letting your light shine. I'll give illustration of that in just a moment. But he is telling us a nation could not exist without law because of the heathen and godless society that we've become without God and without his word as our foundation. He is showing us as Christians that we can use God's way when we have an opportunity to let our light shine to win someone to Christ. I want you to hear this statement. You ready? We're not living life looking for revenge. We're living life looking for an opportunity to win folks to Christ. What he's saying is, yes, I know what the law is. I know what the law is, and the law is right. But I want to give you an opportunity, and I want to tell you what grace does. I want to tell you what mercy does. 
and you'll have an opportunity. There'll be times that you have an opportunity that you can show grace and show mercy and you're saying to the world, I'm not trying to get even, I'm trying to let my light shine. You see, for a Christian, it's not how much I save up, it's how many people I tell about Christ that is a success in life. Now, to the church at Corinth, Paul told the Christians that they should work their differences out between them rather going to court. Now, here's what he's doing. He's saying this is what's right to do. This is what's best to do. For example, if we had two men here, these two men, let's say they were at odds. Maybe it's over finances and these men are at odds and he can't get him or one or the other to pay back what is owed. Now the law says he can't defraud me. Uh, he can't steal money from me. So he has a right to go to law. Paul said, let me tell you something better. You want to do right. You want to do right. Let's settle this matter at the church. Now, if both people want to do right, we can settle this matter at the church. I want you to hear me well. Now, if he acts like a heathen, we have to treat him like a heathen. The Bible is, in nowhere does it say that it is, that it is wrong or, 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 or that someone has a right to steal from you because you're Christian. Are you with me tonight? But he's saying there are times you will have an opportunity to live above the law in addition to the law. And rather than saying, you have to pay me this, there are times we have opportunity that we can say, I'm going to forgive you of that for the purpose of letting our light shine. Let me go a step further. There are businessmen in our church who at times, at their own discretion, because they're Christians, decide to be a blessing to someone and give them a discount or do a service for free. Not because they're required to, but because they desire to. They have that option. They have that opportunity. No one should use the reason of being a Christian to demand a discount. I'd be ashamed to say, well, you ought to give me a discount, I'm a Christian. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you're a Christian, you ought to make sure you pay your bills and pay them on time, and you ought to tip well, too, at the restaurant. That's, that's beside the message. Uh, you ought to tip well. You ought to take care of those that take care of you. But the Bible is teaching here that a businessman, if he wants to take advantage of the opportunity to be a blessing to someone, especially to let his light shine, especially to give the gospel, uh, he can do just that. He gives us four examples of where we may have an opportunity to live by the way of the Lord when we have an opportunity to show someone the love of Christ. Here's why I'm preaching this message. I'm not living life trying to make money and get even. I'm living life trying to give folks the gospel. That's the only reason I'm here. When he saved me, he could have taken me on to heaven. He left me here for a reason. It wasn't to make money. 
I understand I'm supposed to take care of my family. I understand that. I understand all of that. The Bible teaches that and all of that we accept in balance. But you understand tonight the purpose of me being here. We've got to have some Christians that will say, I'm not just going to live life. I want others to know Christ as Savior. Uh, some folks, you need to get you some gospel tracts. You need to show some concern about your fellow uh, neighbor and your co-worker, and you need to show some concern about those in foreign countries and those in the bus ministry, and you ought to care about people being saved. That's what the Christian life is about. We're not here to get what we can get. We're here to let others know of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's teaching his disciples here. I know what the law says, and the law is right. But I want to show you something that's better, and often an opportunity to let your light shine. Now he gives four illustrations. First of all, when someone hurts you. A slap on the face has been regarded as a highly provocative insult. When they smote the Lord Jesus, in John chapter 18, you know what he did? He rebuked them. You can read it. I won't take time to read it now for sake of time. John 18, 22, and 23. He rebuked them. He asked them what right they had to smite him on the cheek. There were times that they smote him on the cheek that he never said a word. He never said anything. Now the Bible is not teaching us to never defend ourselves or defend our country. The Bible is saying we ought to be motivated by letting our light shine the light of Christ shine through us and there ought to be times that we forgive and that we forbear for the sake of the gospel as Christ did. Sometimes I wonder why we do not have more Christians who desire others to know of the love of Christ. I wonder why we don't have more teenagers that want to win teenagers to Christ and don't have more adults that want to win adults to Christ and why we don't have a greater desire to win children to Christ. Life is more than business. Life is more than money. Life is more than enjoyment and more than entertainment. He saved me that I can be a witness for others to be saved. I said sometimes, sometimes, and I know what the law says, and he didn't say I'm doing away with the law. You don't live by the law anymore. But he's saying there are times that you can show grace and mercy to others as I have shown grace and mercy to you for the opportunity of you sharing the gospel. Second of all, when someone tries to take advantage of you, verse number 40, and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Now this is not the law. It doesn't replace the law. He said, I'm going to give you, I want to give you an idea, an opportunity that you may use to share the gospel with someone else. According to the Mosaic law, man could not be deprived ever of his outer garment. Now if he went to court and he owed money, uh, he didn't pay his debts or he didn't work, and uh, you took him to court, you could never take his outer coat. His outer coat served not only as an outer garment, it served as a blanket for him at night. You'll find this in Exodus chapter 22. The outer garment could, uh, the outer garment could be held in bail only when not needed by the defendant. And it's interesting to read that in Exodus chapter 22. But the Lord told his disciples, if they sue you, don't just give your inner coat, which could be legally taken, but give your cloak or give your outer coat also. What he's saying here is, do I have an opportunity to show Christ and his love and his forgiveness 
Do I have an opportunity to win this person to Christ? You know, half of the Bible is misunderstood because we apply the Bible for what we can get, but half of the Bible is applied because of what we give. It's blessed to receive. It's more blessed to give, and that's what he's teaching us here. He's not saying it's against the law for you to receive. It's a blessing to receive, but it's more blessed to give. I hope I'm making sense to you tonight. Once again, I remind you, this was not given for a Christian to become like a Pharisee of that day and take advantage of another. There are folks who would take your outer coat, your inner coat, your house and your car. They'd take everything just to be taking it. And he's not saying that's the law of the land. He's saying I'm giving you an opportunity that you may use at times to get the gospel and there's times when they would want to take your inner coat. You give them your outer coat as well. Verse 41, when someone tries to pressure us. In the Lord's day, the Romans had the legal right <clears throat> to press men and beasts or animals, service animals, <coughs> into compulsory service when the interest of the government required it. A Roman soldier could be going along and he could say, Sir, I need you to help carry this load. He had no choice. If the Roman soldier said so, he had to do what the Roman soldier said. Case in point, uh, Simon of Cyrene was commissioned. They told him, you have to carry the cross of Jesus, and he did. That was the law. The British Navy in days gone by <clears throat> had a similar law to seize able-bodied men in the time of war and to force them off to sea to serve their country on starvation wages. And uh, the British Navy, they were a dreaded bunch in all of the seaport towns because they could commission you or they could draft you uh, into service. In our day, the courts have the right to impanel juries taken at random from tax rolls of the people. You can get called to jury duty. You have to show up. By the way, I recommend it. I recommend it. And I uh, recommend that you serve on jury duty. We need honest, Bible-believing God-fearing people to serve on juries. Now the Jews resented that kind of forced service. They, re they hated it. <clears throat> the Jews didn't like it. They didn't like the Romans at all. And when a Roman soldier would tell them, hey, hey, I need you to help carry this load, <clears throat> the law said he had to carry the load for one mile. Jesus said, it ought to enter your mind, this may be an opportunity for me to show him the love of Christ. So I'm not going to curse and swear as I carry the load for one mile. I'm going to put the load on my back and I'm going to carry it two miles. And he's going to say, why would you do that? The law says you only have to go one mile. Because I care about you and I want to tell you why I did that. You see, the Lord Jesus came to live and die on earth and he showed us a better way of life. And he came to die on the cross to pay for our sin. Can I tell you as you go through, especially the Pauline epistles, you'll find many examples of Paul 
not just living by the letter of the law, though there were sometimes he did. So sometimes Paul said, hey, wait a minute, you don't have a right to smite a Jew. They said, I didn't know you were a Jew. Yes, I am. And he appealed <coughs> on, his Romans, uh, on his Roman citizenship. But there were also times Paul used this opportunity to go a second mile and win a Roman soldier to faith in Christ. Here's what I'm preaching tonight. That world out there needs Christ. They don't need Christians kicking and swearing and yelling and saying, I want to be treated fair. I understand that fair is right and just, but somebody ought to care about the souls of mankind. He gives a final example when someone had a need. Verse number 42. Jews were not obligated to lend money except in certain charitable purposes. Leviticus chapter 25 details it for 28 verses. When there was a need, and that person met that need, the Jew that had the money, he had to give the money to meet that charitable need, and he could charge no interest. Then, all debts of any kind whatsoever, if they were paid back within seven years, that was good and fine. But if it was not paid back every seven years at the year of Jubilee, all debts were canceled. The Lord Jesus used that law to teach them to see an opportunity to show the love of Christ to others in need. I'm not telling you to be mistreated. I'm not telling you to let somebody beat you up. I'm not saying that. But I'll guarantee you there are opportunities that you and I have that we can show grace and mercy and kindness and love and forgiveness. And we would have an opportunity to share the wonderful story of Christ if we weren't just focused on what do I get? What's my benefit? There is a God in heaven that cares for those that care for his work. And I believe tonight that this chapter is a powerful chapter to say, don't try to live the least Christian. Don't try to just get by. Talk like a Christian. Dress modest like a Christian. Forgive like a Christian. Love like a Christian, this world needs to see Christ in you. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, we live in a wicked world.